0: The Franklin Church of Christ wants to thank you for joining us in this study of God's Word. You are about to hear the first in a very special series of lessons on prayer. Edwin Crozier will be studying from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20, as he presents prayer empowering God's warriors. We pray that you are edified and drawn closer to God by this study, but most of all we pray that God be blessed as we grow closer to Him in prayer.
1: According to legend and myth... Achilles was the greatest warrior in the Greek army. His ferocity was due to his invincibility. According to some stories, because it had been prophesied that Achilles would die young, his mother, wanting to protect him, took him as an infant and dipped him in the river Styx. And every part of his body that the water touched became invincible. However, where she held him by the heel, the water didn't touch because of her hand. And there was a gap. Other stories claim that he just had essentially magical armor. That because of a gap at the heel so that he could move around easily, there was a hole there. But whichever story you prefer, what we find out is that Achilles had a gap in his armor. At a seemingly pointless spot. And yet Paris took aim with a poison dart, And because of a gap in his armor, Achilles was slain before the walls of Troy. Regrettably, there are a great number among us as Christians that are in the exact same situation. We have a gap in our armor. But in order to understand why this is important, we've got to understand exactly what situation we are in. It wouldn't be that big of a deal if we had a gap in our armor, if we were in a time of peace. But we're not. If you look in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 and verse 13. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 and verse 13, the Scripture says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, excuse me, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We are in a battle. We're in a battle against these wicked forces. We must not be deceived by the seeming material peace and prosperity that's going, around, going on around us in our community. We need to recognize that we are at war. And while we may not see the advance of infantry and tanks, we see the advance of humanism and hedonism and individualism and all manner of false teaching. While we may not see bombed and burned out buildings, we see bombed and burned out and broken homes. While we may not see soldiers of war trapped in torture camps, we see seekers trapped in false churches and in cults. While we may not see hospitals filled with wounded and bleeding and dying people, we see a world filled with sheep that are scattered and weary and distressed and in need of a shepherd. Let us not be deceived because of the bright sunshine outside and how easy our lives are that we miss the walking wounded those who are dying around us and among us on a daily basis. We are at war. And because we are at war, Paul said in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Because of this war, because of this battle, because we need to put on the whole armor of God in order to fight this battle, we are taking the entire month of October and we are devoting it to prayer. I hope that today's lesson will demonstrate to you why this month is so important. And I hope it encourages you to commit yourself to all that we're going to be doing, all that's involved in our month of prayer. As we consider prayer, as we consider this battle, the first thing that we need to recognize regarding prayer is that prayer completes the armor of God. He says put on the whole armor of God. If you look in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 13 through 18, he says therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. "...stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God." We recognize that we need to have our waist girded about with truth, that we need to have our heart protected by the breastplate of righteousness. We understand that we need to have our head protected by the helm of salvation and our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace that we may move about the battlefield no matter what the terrain is. We recognize that we need to carry our shield of faith to protect us from the darts of the devil. And we understand that we need to carry always with us the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. We know that. We've talked about that. We've had classes on that. We've had sermons on that. We know that we've got to carry this armor. We've got to be suited up for battle because we are at war. But if we stop here... We are not prepared. Paul did not stop here. Rather, he continued on. And in verse 18, he pointed out that we should be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer completes the armor. If we're going into the battle without armor, without prayer... We might as well be going into the battle without our helmet or without our sword or without our shield. We're going in unprotected. We are not prepared and ready for battle. And yet, regrettably, I imagine that if we took a poll of Christians in general, what we would find is that we are woefully inadequate when it comes to this part of our armor. How many Christians walk away from the battlefield on a daily basis beaten, battered, and bruised because they went into the battle without prayer? There was a gap in their armor. Be honest, where is your prayer life? Every day we are going into this battle. Do you find yourself repeatedly coming home at night beaten and battered and discouraged, having been overcome by Satan again and again and again? If that's the case, let me encourage you. Check your prayer life. Is there a gap in your armor? Have you been praying? Prayer completes our armor without it we are not battle ready and we will lose the battle why does prayer work why does it complete our armor because it connects us to God. Think about this for just a moment. Let's go back and look at verse 12 again. There in chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Back in verse 11, it pointed out that we needed to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If we were in a battle with our next-door neighbor who doesn't want to do what God says, or with our co-worker who blasphemes God on a regular basis, if that's all we were doing, that wouldn't be too tough. We could exercise a little bit, pump a little bit of iron, and we could take care of them, right? But that's not who our battle is against. Our battle is against these principalities, these dark powers, these spiritual forces. Our battle is against the devil himself. And guess what? We cannot win that battle. You and I are not that powerful. We are not that strong. We're facing the devil himself and we can't do it. But prayer connects us to the one who can. I want to share with you a great mistake that I have made when it comes to prayer. And it's a great mistake that is so prevalent among our society today that I'm certain I'll probably say it throughout this series anyway. But how many times have we heard people, you probably even heard me say it, talk about the power of prayer. Oh, we're all convincing one another to pray. The reason why you need to pray is because prayer is so powerful. That's a mistake, brother. There is no power in prayer. Prayer is not powerful. Too often we treat prayer as though it is some type of magical mantra or chant that if we word it properly or say it enough or repeat it enough, that there is some kind of power within those words that exudes from us and it doesn't work that way. Brethren, prayer is not powerful. God is powerful. And prayer connects us to God. We must not pray because we believe that prayer is powerful. Rather, we must believe that God is powerful and therefore we pray to Him. You consider an extension cord? You've got a light that you want to to be lit up or a computer that you're wanting to run, but it's too far away from the plug, and so what do you do? You go get an extension cord, don't you? Does that cord have any power? Absolutely not. But it connects to the power, doesn't it? And that's what prayer is. Prayer is what connects us to the only One who is able to win this battle. Our God is powerful and therefore... We pray to Him. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Beginning at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers... We were talking about them just a minute ago in verse 12 of Ephesians 6, weren't we? nor height, nor depth, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How do we overcome? We overcome by being in Jesus. We come into Jesus, of course, by being baptized into Christ. Prayer maintains that connection. And when we are connected to God, we overwhelmingly conquer these principalities, these powers, they cannot win. They cannot separate us from God. But we have to be connected to God. We have to be praying. Otherwise, we have a gap in our armor. And a carefully aimed dart will destroy us. You remember Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20? Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Do you see what this says about God? The God to whom we pray? We want to be connected to this God because He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, but notice that it's by working through us. God's plan is to work through us in this battle. We are the warriors. He has chosen to wage this battle. And He will overcome. And He will overcome through us. Why? Because He can do above all that that we ask or think. almost got ahead of myself there. But I want you to notice. He can't just do all that we ask or think. He can do above all that we ask or think. Not only can He do above all that we ask or think, He can do abundantly above all that we ask or think. Not only can He do abundantly above all that we ask or think, He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Do you know what that tells me, brethren? It tells me we better ask. God is the power behind everything that exists. And if we want to win this battle, we need to be connected with Him. Asking Him, praying to Him. Because only then will we have the power to win. Sometimes I think we might neglect to understand the true importance of the Old Testament stories. These Old Testament stories are not written to fill our children's Bible classes. They were written in order to train us in our faith. Why don't you think about David? Do you remember the story of David and Goliath? In 1 Samuel chapter 17... David said he was going to go out and face this giant and everybody else was afraid. So Saul in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 38 said, So Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head and he also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. So David took them off and he walked out on the battlefield. And Goliath came to him, dressed in his armor. And David apparently, it seemed, without armor. And yet David pointed out in verse 45, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into My hand and I'll strike you and I'll take your head from you. And this day I'll give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hands. David was armed with God. David was connected to God. And he was able to walk out onto that material, physical battlefield without any physical armor. But he was connected to the real power. And the text goes on to say in verse 50, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Brethren, what's the point of this story? If God could win this victory through David, He can win our battles through us. But we've got to be connected to Him. We've got to be armed through prayer. The third thing we recognize about prayer is that prayer emboldens us. Let's face it, we can have all the armor in the world and a soldier can have all the armor and be invincible. But if he's too afraid to go out on the battlefield, he's going to lose by default. There is no place for cowardice in the Lord's army. We need to have Courage, and we need to be strong and be courageous. We need to be bold. Prayer provides that boldness. I want you to think how many times have you been unwilling to get into the battle because of fear? You knew that you should restore that brother from his sin but you were afraid to ruffle feathers. You knew that you should rebuke that sister because of her sin, but you were afraid to rock the boat. You knew you should defend the faith, but you were afraid that someone might reject you. Check your prayer life. Because prayer provides boldness. One of the amazing aspects of prayer is that far too often we treat prayer as though it's the tool by which we bend God to our will. And that's what causes most of our questions and most of our problems with prayer. We're spending so much time wondering why we didn't get what we want. But that's not what prayer is about. Prayer is not about bending God to our will. Prayer is about us bending ourselves to God's will. And as we do that through prayer, as we become more and more like Christ, as we become more and more godly, we will gain the boldness to do God's things God's way. Why? Because we're becoming like Him. Because we're becoming connected. and Because we are becoming the tool through which He can work because our will is His will. And we want to accomplish the same thing He wants to accomplish. We want to say the same things He wants to say. We want to do the same things He wants done. And when we do that...
0: We have boldness.
1: Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 19 through 20 specifically asked about prayer for boldness. He told these Ephesians, Pray for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He recognized that prayer to Connect him with God, which would provide the boldness that he needed in Acts chapter four and verse twenty nine acts chapter four and verse twenty nine the disciples gathered together after the apostles had been captured, beaten, James Peter and John. prayer connecting us to God as we become what he wants us to be it provides that boldness that courage to go out and do what he wants us to do and as we become more and more in line with god's will we can say along with the psalmist in the 118th psalm in psalm 118 beginning at verse 5 i called on the lord in distress The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. The psalmist was able to say, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We can say that when we pray. Look at the confidence of Paul in Philippians chapter 3. Excuse me, chapter 4 and verse 13. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you see the confidence there? Why was Paul able to have that kind of confidence? I know there were all kinds of factors that went in that, but I also know one of them was because back in verses 6 and 7, he pointed out something about his prayer life. He said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. As we come in line with God's will, as we're praying in His will, then God's peace can be with us and we can have confidence that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's not going to ask anything of me I can't do. I can do everything He wants me to do. I can do all things. But I can only have that confidence when I'm also following verses 6 and 7, when I'm praying to God. One more issue regarding prayer. It completes our armor. It connects us to the real power, empowering us with boldness. But we also find that prayer is what causes us to stay on the alert. Whenever you're in battle, whenever there's a war going on, You always have to post your sentries. They always have to be vigilant. They have to be on the lookout for the enemy to come and attack and be prepared so that they can arouse the army and they can efface the attack. That's exactly what prayer does for us. There in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. As he pointed out that we should be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The word translated watchful there in the New King James Version, the word translated watchful there means without sleep. It's the idea of being on the alert, that I'm not going to go to sleep because I know that the enemy is out there roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, and I've got to be focused, I've got to be alert, I've got to be ready. And that's exactly what prayer does. As it brings us in line with God's will, it focuses us on God's will, and it makes it extremely clear what is not with God's will. And it makes us alert and keeps us watchful. That's what prayer does for us. We can see the enemy before he attacks and know what he is going to do, because we know through the Word how Satan attacks. And we'll be able to see by what's going on in our lives, what really are Satan's attacks. We'll be focused. We'll be vigilant. The prayer to accomplish this cannot be a flash in the pan. It can't be something that says, oh, I heard this great sermon on prayer today, so I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray. It's got to be something to which we are devoted. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 says, continue earnestly in prayer. The New American Standard says, be devoted to prayer. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. It's got to be something that we are continuing and devoted to constantly, consistently. And if you don't have that habit developed already, you need to. Because that's what will focus you on God's will. And help you be alert to Satan's attacks so that you can overcome. But it takes discipline. It takes training. I understand that every single one of us are at different levels in our prayer lives. And the sermon today and the series that we're going through this month of devotion to prayer is not going to make any of us the greatest prayers we can be. It's only going to be something that helps us grow in our training. We've got to understand that there will come a time when we, like the apostles, face a night when we need to be devoted to prayer. In Matthew chapter 26... Jesus was going to be betrayed and then crucified. And He asked Peter, James, and John to go with Him a little further into the garden and He asked them to pray. And then He stepped on a little further. And He prayed. And in Matthew 26 and verse 40, He came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And He said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with Me for one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, Jesus understood why they'd fallen asleep. He knew it didn't have anything to do with motivation. They wanted to be there for Him, but they hadn't developed the ability to watch and pray. He says, couldn't you even do this for one hour? How many of us, if Jesus asked, could you watch and pray with me for one hour, how many of us could do that? Is there anything that's important enough to us that we would even want to do that? It takes development. It takes training. The Spirit is willing. I have no doubt that all of us are saying, I want to do that, but most of us are probably saying, I'm not so sure that I can. It takes training. It takes development. It takes practice. But when we develop that, the focus that it will provide for us in God's will, the vigilance and the alertness that we can have, as we face life and see Satan's attacks, we'll be awesome and powerful. And while Satan at times will probably still overcome us at places, because we're all still growing, we'll be able to put more marks on the victory side every day. As we open our day with prayer, as we suit up with the armor of prayer, As we go into the battle, praying, going into it in the name of the Lord Jesus, whom Satan and his minions have defied. And we will overcome. Not because we are powerful. Not because the words in our prayers are powerful. But because the God to whom we pray is powerful. And when we pray, he works through us. What an amazing thing prayer is. We need to remember. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses sixteen through eighteen. Memorize this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Put that armor on. Connect with God. Be empowered with boldness and with vigilance to stay on the alert. Brethren, that's what this month is all about. And I am excited. As I consider the possibilities of what God can do through us as we grow in prayer. And as I consider the possibilities of what we can do for God as we grow in prayer.
0: Thank you, Edwin, for that motivating look at prayer, and thank you for joining us in this study of God's Word. Let's remember what we've learned in this study. One, prayer completes the armor of God's warriors. Two, prayer connects us to God, the only true power. Three, prayer provides boldness in the battle. Four, prayer focuses us on God's will and keeps us alert and vigilant in the face of Satan's attacks. Above all, remember, we do not pray because we believe in the power of prayer. Rather, we believe in the power of God, and therefore we pray. If you have any questions about prayer, about the Franklin Church of Christ, or about becoming one of God's warriors, please call us at 615-794-2359 or contact us through our website, franklinchurchofchrist.com. Thank you, may God richly bless you, and may you richly bless God.